We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is February 12th, 2024. Jonathan Osborne here, as always. Joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, we are recording this a day early because we want to watch the Super Bowl tomorrow. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling after that overtime victory over the Bulls? There's a reason I'm wearing the jersey I'm wearing. And I am wearing the Jonathan Isaac jersey here on YouTube. You can see the number one. It's there. Wearing the Jonathan Isaac because today I'm extra thankful. For Jonathan Isaac in that game, most minutes of the year, playing 25 minutes, all of an overtime. Can't wait to talk about that game just for the fact of just what Jonathan Isaac was, how Mosley coached really what felt like a perfect game in terms of rotations and what he did and ended up working out in a lot of ways. So we'll break that down. But that's that's what I want to lead with for sure as far as what I'm what I'm excited about and why I'm wearing this jersey. Most minutes that Jonathan Isaac has played in like 49 plus months, like a little over four years, like basically the game before the New Year's Day injury in Washington, like the collision with Bradley Beal that like led to sort of everything seemingly the most minutes that Jonathan Isaac has played since December 30th, 2019. Crazy. So for all of the complaining that we've done over the course of the past couple of seasons and even this season where it's like, oh, hey, he's questionable, but he's out and we're going to play him in this back to back, but he's going to play eight minutes in the first half and not at all in the second half. And all of all of the grief, it seems like he is being ramped up and we're a couple of games away from the All-Star break. And then before you know it, we're going to be in March. And before you know it, we're going to be a month out from the playoffs. And hopefully Jonathan Isaac is playing 25 minutes a night. I can't believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> for the goal for us, Luke, like before the year started was like if J.I. can play, you know, 60 plus games and give you, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a game, there's 
right around 30. I think there's 29 games left, and he's played in 34 games so far. So I feel pretty good about him at least getting to 50. 63 is what he could do if he plays the rest, but who knows? But yeah, I think he can get to like 50, 55. 50, 55, like we would take that. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Like just the, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the Chicago game, especially in, in his impact at the end of that game. But it, it's just crazy. Like, J.I.'s on the floor. Magic are probably going to win. Like, that's that's just, if he's playing significant minutes, the Magic are most likely going to win the game. He legitimately played starter minutes tonight. He played the fifth most minutes on the team. Which, who knows, the last time that's happened in a perfectly normal game. But Jonathan Isaac is getting back there slowly but surely. Like you said, the amount of time time that we have waited for his return, it's it's feeling worth it. Long as this minute trajectory keeps on climbing and he can continue to stay healthy. Defensively, he is way too good to not be on the court in that closing lineup. And it's gotten to the point where all year it's felt this way that Jamal Mosley has, has shared the same sentiment. He is too good on that end of the floor to not close him in pivotal games and pivotal moments because he's going to make a play. I'm looking at stat muse right now. I don't know if this is totally updated, but they have the Magic at 22 and 13 with Jonathan Isaac in the lineup this year. I don't know if that's updated after tonight's win. Should, uh, should be updated because I looked up something earlier about his minutes and it said that tonight was the most or the, the, the night. The, yeah, yeah, the game against Chicago was his most played, so it should be all updated. That's pretty good. That's yeah. almost two thirds of your games. You know, when, when that that kid is playing, or I mean, he's a grown man. He's not a kid, but <laughs> yeah, he he's just been incredible. And yeah, we just it seems like I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but we we could be getting close to where we were in November, where the defense is playing really really well, offense might maybe be starting to come around like Cole Anthony the performance tonight especially I I feel like we're jumping way too far ahead of ourselves here but his performance in the fourth and in overtime for Cole tonight was like we haven't we haven't seen that in quite a while like Cole making plays to win the game and to close the game in the final minute so that was super encouraging let's put that to the side for now we'll talk about the Bulls game we'll have plenty of time to talk about that uh, but we've got a couple of other things to talk about here, including discussing the trade deadline and what the Magic did or did not do at the trade deadline. But I want to let you all know that our next episode of the Six Fan Show is coming up this Tuesday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, it is tomorrow when the Magic take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. After the game, after Shaq's you know, jersey retirement, Ben is going to be outside getting fan reactions and talking to everybody. Tuesday is also our TNT night, our, our the group night that we've been planning for months and months. And it just so happens that it coincided to be the night of Shaq's jersey retirement. So it makes that night that much more special for us. If you were one of the first 100 tickets purchased, you should have received an email by now from John McCall. Uh, giving you everything that you need to get into the pregame experience. So um, if you're not sure you were one of those, check your email. If you were, you have the email. If you don't have the email, you weren't, and we're sorry. 
Uh, but yeah, access to the pregame warmups is going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to seeing everybody that night. And this is what I will say. I, I, I'm going to, to just lay it all out there for you all. This game against Oklahoma City, not only is it a, a massive matchup for the Magic, you know, it's Paolo versus Chet uh, for the first time at home at least. Shaq's jersey is being retired. This game being on national TV. Don't forget how much the national media has pushed Orlando to the side for the last decade. Don't forget how quickly they pushed this fan base, this city, this team to the back burner to the point where they wouldn't talk about us, even if we were playing well. We got the number one overall pick. They barely talked about that. Paolo Bancaro had one of the best rookie seasons of the last 25 years. The moment that they could start talking about Victor Weminyama, they started to do that. For 10 years, various outlets joked that the Magic didn't have any fans. Tuesday night is our night to put the league, to put the nation, to put the world on notice that there are Magic fans, that we are behind this team, that we are passionate, and that we are going to give this organization and this team the fan base that it deserves. And you are not going to come into Orlando and hear your team's cheers anymore. If, if you're coming in on a road trip, if you're, if you're the Lakers, you're the Knicks, you're the Celtics, you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, we don't give a damn anymore. It is our building. We are taking it back for good. This is a new era of Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs and all of these other guys. And Tuesday night is our opportunity through people's television sets to let them know the energy in Orlando has shifted. So if you are going to be at that game Tuesday night, especially if you are coming to sit with us, we are going to leave it all in the stands Tuesday night. We need to let the world hear Orlando Tuesday night. That's all I got. And there will be people tuning in, especially near the end of the game. I don't know if TNT is going to be showing the Shaquille O'Neal just because the the jersey retirement. I don't know if they're going to get a glimpse of it at the end, like the start of the ceremony or whatever. But there very well could be people who just are tuning in as an NBA fan near the end of that game. And Orlando Magic fans have to be present. You you can't deny that they're in the building. That needs to be the type of, of environment that is created in Kia on Tuesday. And if you guys have not sat with Jonathan Osborne before, the man can chant his heart out. And you better be ready to cheer right with him because he's going to be doing it the whole game. And uh, listen, the, the, I know for a fact that our sections specifically are going to do their part to start the game. We hope and pray that this team comes into Tuesday night <laughs> fired up and ready to play this to Oklahoma City Thunder team. This is the challenge that, that we know this team would love to rise to the occasion for. Jalen Suggs playing against his good buddy, Chet Holmgren. Paolo Bancaro going against Chet Holmgren, who people are already trying to say is, is better than Paolo, which is crazy to me. Chet Holmgren is an excellent player, but to just clearly dismiss the, the rookie of the year newly named all-star like that is just disrespectful 
So as fans, we have a due diligence on Tuesday. And just need to cheer for the team that we love. Get them through the, maybe the jitters of that first quarter of what that will be because they will know the, the magnitude of the moment as a game and as just a, an announcement to the NBA world. So it'll be a lot of fun. We could not be happier that we have the opportunity to even do this and to have so many of you guys come out and really support us by supporting this team and doing this. Surreal. So I know Tuesday will be a big night for a lot of people involved, and it's going to be a fun one. And I'll say this last thing here. If you can help it at all, do not leave after the game and before that jersey retirement ceremony. Mm-mm. Whatever plans you need to make to, to to make sure that, I don't know, if you're worried about getting up for work the next day, take a nap the day before. <laughs> if, if, if it's something with, with child care, talk to your babysitter ahead of time. Like, hey, we're going to be home a, another hour later than we normally are when we go to games. Or find a family member to watch your kids if you're worried, like, I, like, please just start thinking about any possible reason that would cause you to leave that game early and not stay for that ceremony. Like, figure it out now. To Luke's point, it may not be available like on the TNT broadcast, but we just saw Kobe's statue being announced, and there was like a hundred thousand people or something like that watching live on the NBA's Instagram. Yeah. So and if they're going to do app, anything like that, there will there will be clips of this night regardless. We need to make sure that the arena is still packed, that people are cheering. Like if if you are going to leave early and you could have prevented it by any means, block us on social media, unsubscribe because <laughs> I want nothing to do with you. If it is preventable at all, like if there's not an emergency and something that you just cannot help, if you just leave because oh man, the Steak and Shake drive through closes in 15 <laughs> minutes and I got to hit that Frisco Melt on the way home. This is coming from the biggest Frisco Melt lover out there. Screw the Frisco Melt. Stay and cheer during Shaq's jersey retirement. So Tuesday's a big night. And if you're going to be at the game Wednesday, Wednesday's going to be a big night as well. So we got to bring all the energy. The guys heading into the All-Star break, winning like that would be seven out of their last eight and four in a row heading into the all-star break. If you're 31 and 24 heading into the all-star break, it would be huge. So these next two games of the homestand are so important and we have to, we have to do our part. If you're a magic fan and like you're at games and like, you're not bringing the energy in the first quarter, guess what? I don't want to hear a word about you talking about the magic slow starts recently. If you're not bringing the energy, the guys can't feed off your energy. So if you're at these games, you got to bring it. You got to give those guys your all. That's the only thing that we can do while we're there to try to influence these games is to bring the energy and be as loud as we can. So looking forward to Tuesday. And I, I know that Magic fans are, are not going to let us down. Really looking forward to that game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now let's shift gears. Let's get into the state of the Magic here. This week, the Magic went 2-1 and one with a loss to Miami on Tuesday and then bounced back with wins over San Antonio on Thursday and a win over Chicago on Sunday in overtime. They currently sit 7th in the Eastern Conference with a record of 29-24, and 11.5 games back of first place Boston, 7 games back of Cleveland, 5 games back of Milwaukee, 4 games back of New York, 2.5 games back now of Philly, a half game back of Indy. They're a half game up on Miami currently. Three and a half games up on Chicago and five games up on Atlanta. On the season, the Magic are 24th in the NBA in offensive rating with an offensive rating of 112.6. Luke, they are now fourth in the NBA in defensive rating with a defensive rating of 111.7. They are 14th in the NBA in net rating with a net rating of 0.9. Injury report is still clean. Let's keep it that way. We like that a whole lot. Luke and I now want to take the opportunity to talk about the trade deadline. We've been talking about the trade line, it feels like, at nauseum for the past month and a half at least. Talked about it on the last episode. We basically felt like the Magic weren't going to do anything. We each had our different reasons for why we think the Magic should do something and sort of what we would do if we were the ones pushing the buttons and pulling the levers. Ultimately, the 3 p.m. deadline on Thursday came and went without the Magic making a move. I think they were one of only four or five teams in the entire league that did not that have not made a, a trade this season and didn't make a trade before the deadline. And we're one of three teams in the Eastern Conference that did not make a move, Luke. What were your feelings Thursday as you woke up and as I'm sure the anxiety built as we got closer to that 3 p.m. deadline? And then at one point, did you realize, oh, we're not doing anything. And how do you feel about that now? I mean, when we were, I don't even know, when it was like 11 a.m. or noon Eastern, the feeling truthfully kind of set in. I don't know if it's just because like the deadline as a whole wasn't super exciting, to say the least. You had some fun things that happened, right? Obviously, Buddy Heald gets out of Indiana, goes to Philly. The Knicks do a great job of adding even more shooting to their already ridiculously talented three-point shooting team. Those things happen, but there was nothing crazy. There was no blockbuster trades or, or anything like that. But the tone just felt like that was like it had been set. And even though the Magic were never going to make a huge trade, 
I still felt like the energy was just like, nah, we're we're not going to do anything. So that that kind of like reality really hit me. Like I I knew that there was a possibility of no trade happening, but I still was holding on to that last sliver of hope. But by noon, to be honest with you, that that hope kind of left the building. I just was kind of like, ah, it's not going to happen. So it is what it is. And and I'll let you give your reaction piece to that as well before we maybe talk further about why or why they, they didn't do what they, why they did what they didn't do. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see a couple of the, the teams that you mentioned, like Indiana, I feel like they got better. New York, I feel like they got better. Obviously, both of those teams got better a few weeks ago when they made the trades for OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. Although Philadelphia has lost Joel Embiid for what seems like probably the majority of what's left of the regular season, and they're going to be sort of clawing and scratching to keep their position in the East. I feel like Philadelphia got better as well, like making that move for Buddy Heald. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I feel like the trades that the Magic have seen other teams make over the course of the last few weeks sort of like solidified where they feel like they are in the Eastern Conference. You look at Boston, you look at Cleveland. Boston's been the class of the Eastern Conference all season long. Cleveland, with their run recently, they've now won nine games in a row. They're 35 and 16. The Magic are seven games back of them at this point with you know 29 games to go for the Magic. Milwaukee, you know, sitting there five games ahead. Uh, you know, they're still feels like they're sort of still figuring things out. Yeah, I know things have been a bit rocky since they brought on Doc Rivers, but with all the talent on that roster, you probably feel like you're not gonna reach Milwaukee. Like one, two, and three in the Eastern Conference all feel pretty unobtainable for the Magic. And then you look at, okay, we're four games back of New York, seven out of three in their last 10, but they're just so injured right now. But you know when they get Julius Randle back and they get OG Ananobi back, and now they integrate uh, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks into the lineup and they get going. Those teams, Philadelphia, Indiana, like those top six teams, it feels like they're all a, a bit of a step ahead of the Magic now. and. When you just look at the timelines like coming into the season, all of that makes sense, especially New York pushing their chips in on OG, Indiana pushing chips in on Pascal Siakam. You just feel like the Magic are a tier below that. And for me, it's like what move could the Magic really have made that would close that gap and really move the needle? Like bringing in Tyus Jones, let's just talk about that one. Like that's that was the that was the biggest trade on our wish list, right? Or hey, people are mad that we didn't give up what probably would have needed to be Gary Harris, Chuma Okeke, and like a couple of second round picks to make the move for Buddy Heald. People are mad about that. Like the Buddy Heald move, like does that really move the needle to push the Magic into the same tier as some of those other teams? I don't think so. Like, sure, it makes you better. Do you get maybe a couple more wins? But Indiana's been missed. You know, they were missing Tyrese Halliburton for a couple of weeks, and. Now he's back and, and they're trying to, you know, figure out how you know those guys are gonna going to play together. But when you just look at the talent and you look at what the Magic's goals are ultimately for this year, did it make sense for them to make a, a big move and sort of push all of their chips in that 
like let's face it, the Tyus Jones move as much we, as we would have liked it for the offense. Everybody knows that he wasn't going to be a, a a huge fit with like the magic, you know, archetype of size, length, defensive versatility. It was like, hey, Paolo and Franz like really need some help offensively. This is a guy that you and I thought could possibly do that. So I think there's an element of that, like where the magic were like, why are we going to push our chips in? We're probably not going to get to the same level as some of these other teams anyway. And there's always the chance that those moves did not present themselves or just weren't able to to happen. Jeff Weltman was talking to Jason Beatty, and if you haven't uh, read Jason Beatty's piece that he released, I believe today, and talking to Jeff Weltman, like Jeff Weltman talked about, like, hey, like we can be as serious as we want on our end, but if a deal doesn't get done, how how serious was the the other team in in getting this deal done? Like these are things that you just never know, and I don't want to say that to like let Jeff and John off the hook because like if you feel like there was a real move to be made and it presented itself and you felt like you were pretty close, like you do what you need to do to get it done. If it's going to improve the team in a significant, again, needle moving way. So I don't want to say like, Oh, like they're just, what do you mean? Like, of course, like if there was a deal to get done, Jeff Weltman would have like, there's always the possibility that your GM just doesn't get the job done. That being said, for the most part, I'm willing to give Jeff Weltman the benefit of the doubt. But now those guys are like the clock starts now on this offseason. This offseason, because people have made the point on Twitter, you have Gary Harris, you have Markel Fultz, you have Goga Batadze, these guys who are on expiring contracts that right now are, are trade chips to match money if you're trying to trade for a, a big name, right? Now that those guys are going to expire, you don't have those trade chips to be able to do that. So now you're sort of really depending on free agency and you've got a lot of money to go out and spend. You know who else had a lot of money to spend? Rob Hennigan back in, what was that? The 2016 offseason where he paid Evan Fournier, paid Bismack Biombo, like shelled out all this money all over the place. And then what did we have to show for it a couple of seasons later? Absolutely nothing. So there's always the chance that you go out on a spending spree, use up that cap space, and you don't have anything to show for it. So, and you and I have talked about this a ton, the the free agency class of this summer isn't exactly what I would call stacked. So Jeff Weltman and, and Anthony Parker, they're they're on the clock now. Like the future of their tenure, you know, as president of basketball operations and general manager of, of the Orlando Magic. Like it very well could lie on what they do this offseason. Like they could make the moves this offseason that catapult the Magic into contention in a couple of years, but they could make moves this offseason that end up getting them fired in two to three years. Like this is such a massive, crucial offseason now. And, you know, they, they were careful at the trade deadline. And a lot of times, uh, the best move that you make is the move that you don't make. We've heard that said before. But hey, if you guys are sure there wasn't a move to be made now and, and you've got to turn to free agency to really improve this team this summer, you have to get it right. Because if you don't, that can set a franchise back for years. And we've seen that. We, we've seen it all. Everything under the sun that a front office could do wrong. We've seen it. There was a couple of things that you said that I want to touch on. 
one of the things that you said was, you know, fans might be irritated because the the Pacers moved Buddy Heald for what the Magic could probably have offered, right? Oftentimes, I feel like fans get ahead of themselves and they want to get mad about something that they haven't like evaluated everything. And in this case, and even with Tyus Jones, the case is Buddy Heald, Tyus Jones, both expiring, going to be unrestricted free agents this offseason. If you don't know, without a shadow of a doubt, that, that these players are going to at least give you the time of day come the offseason, don't don't trade for them. It's, it's really as easy as that. Unless you're a contender and you have to make another move Correct. To, to push in further, which Philadelphia absolutely needed to do. And that's not to say that like the Tyus Jones dream is dead by any means, because this free agency class is not one of the stronger ones. Tyus Jones, one of the better free agents. That's not what that means at all. It just means also that the other thing that in that article that BD did, Jason BD did a great job with of the Orlando Sentinel and talking to to Weltman. Weltman says, "This is a good team that we currently have." We are where we are because of this team and and their strengths, all that kind of stuff. Essentially saying, if you are mad about this trade deadline, calm down <laughs> because it's still a good team. And this is where I think fans are also getting ahead of themselves. The front office of Anthony Parker and Jeff Weltman are really purely focused on, and this is just speculation, but I think it's fair, on making the playoffs. Simple as that. Just make it. Get some experience. And who knows, maybe maybe they've said from the jump, let's make the let, let's make the play in. Like the play in would be satisfactory for us. And if we get bounced, we get bounced. I have no idea where their goals really lie there, but I'm willing to say that it has something to do with the postseason. Fans and the trades that we're trying to make in our heads and on our trade machines are things that, okay, if we think Markel Fultz is not going to be playable or that he will be an issue come postseason, we need to get rid of him, bring in Tyus Jones, who has been great this year and just throughout his career. We need to bring him in so we can try to do the best to, to put up a fight in the first round. That's just not what Jeff and, and, and AP are thinking. They're thinking, let's just make it to the postseason. And he also said in that article, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but we're not going to sacrifice the big picture for the for the you know short sighted thing. And that might be a Tyus Jones. Who knows? They've got maybe more things that can happen. Trades can happen in the off season. So just because the trade deadline has come doesn't mean we, we won't reach a point where trades are being made draft night and beyond, right? So that's just a couple points to go with it and just inside of like, these guys aren't in a rush. And they said and as well, Jeff said in that article, like we had extensive talks, conversations about players that we were interested in and it just didn't pan out. That's what it sounded like at the end of the day is what happened. They tried. And one thing we know is that Jeff Weldman is not going to give you more you are not going to walk out of that deal thinking, man, I fleeced Jeff Weldon. It's not going to happen. He'd rather walk away. 
and call it what you want, call it pride, call it, call it whatever. But to this point, that strategy has served him very well. No rash decisions have been made. And he's built himself a pretty good team. And we're not even very far into this rebuild. We are way ahead of schedule right now, being where we are and compiling wins that we are. So Jeff Waltman knows what's, what works, but the question is when it comes time to swing and hit that home run, are you going to swing? I hope that and he Are will. you going to hit the home run? <laughs> yeah, but, but like more than anything, like he didn't even, to us, he didn't even swing at this deadline. And that's fine. I mean, come this offseason, you said it's kind of mounting the pressure maybe. But he has built himself such a resume that I trust that he's going to make the correct moves this offseason. I'm interested to see what he does. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what he does. I don't know who he tries to move around, who he trades, who he acquires, whatever it might be. But draft night could be interesting for us. And for once, it won't be because we're in the lottery. It's going to be because Jeff Weldman is scheming there in his office. And I, I hope, I would love for something like that to happen. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm cool with, with what we didn't do. I, I don't have any issue with it. It's hard not to. You're, you've now won 29 games and you're six wins away from having more wins than you did the previous season already and there's 29 games left. One of the, the big takeaways from me in this article from Jason Beatty, which again, we encourage everybody to, to go and read. Uh, Beatty said, while the majority of teams in the East made moves to address certain needs, Weltman didn't feel added pressure to get a trade done because he said, we know what our timeline is. So the fact that this, this has all been in motion since Jeff Weltman took over. Like we know the first year comes in has the mandate from the you know ownership like hey it's been you know seven years at that time since we made the playoffs we need to make the playoffs they bring Steve Clifford in they immediately make the playoffs and then as soon as it becomes apparent that there is a hard ceiling on that team and Jeff Jeff can go hey look we've we've taken this as far as we need to as far as we possibly can let me do things my way. Steve Clifford and the team mutually part ways. Before that summer, we already started sending guys out. You know, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier. And since that offseason, where we had real assets, Jeff Weltman and then John Hammond and Pete D'Alessandro and, and Anthony Parker have been working on this goal. And to me, it seems like they've sort of schemed everything out getting Paolo was the biggest piece to the puzzle. And that like really set the timeline in stone and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. As frustrated as, as Magic fans are getting, you know who doesn't seem frustrated by the lack of moves? Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner. Those are the guys that we ultimately need to be worried about how they're feeling about the moves that we made or didn't make. And those guys have been echoing the sentiment that, hey, they didn't make a move. They're putting their trust in us to get the job done. And that says a lot about this team that we have here and the, the trust that the organization has put in the players. So this, but this is it. Like I, I said this a couple of minutes ago, but the last three seasons with Mosley have been about learning and evaluation. And then 
a little bit less learning and, and, you know, winning basketball, but also evaluation. And this year it's like, oh, this is you know supposedly going to be one of the last years that you're, where you're evaluating. We cannot have another year of evaluating. Like all of these guys on the roster, you had multiple years to look at, figure out what you've got with them and what's going to fit around pa- Paolo and Franz this offseason. No excuses. You need to make winning moves. You need to make moves for the sake of winning and building around Paolo and Franz. There will be no excuse if you don't go out and improve this team in the offseason. We cannot get to media day and say, oh, well, we're going to continue to evaluate. We've seen all that we need to see from a lot of guys, not necessarily saying like, oh, we've seen what we need to see. You're gone. But we've seen what we need to see out of a lot of these guys to know exactly what they are. If you're going to keep them around, fine, keep them around. But if they're not up to par and they're not doing what we need them to do, you need to bring guys in that are going to play ahead of them that will. And this is the time to do it. It's going to be this offseason. So that's like the last thing that I've got to say about the trade deadline. They didn't make moves. I'm not super beat up about it. Would it have been cool? Yeah, it would have been cool. It would have been exciting. Obviously, fans are always hungry for transactions and trades and bringing in the new shiny toy and all that kind of stuff. Whatever, that's gone. Let's focus on these last 29 games. And Jeff and AP have to bring it this season to improve this, this offseason rather, to improve this team. All right, we're now like 30 plus minutes into this, Luke. We haven't talked a lick about basketball. So we're going to talk now about the the Spurs game from Thursday night. So obviously, Magic played in San Antonio the week before, had a big lead in that one, let San Antonio get back into that, but eventually uh, closed out the game. And they seemed motivated to not let that happen in this game, although it sort of kind of like almost happened. Magic had a 17-point lead at the half, Luke, and then lose the third quarter yet again. They lose the third quarter again. They lose it 41-37. to The Magic put 37 points up in that third quarter, Luke. Still lost. They shot 63% from the floor. Magic were 9 of 12 from behind the arc and somehow still lost the third quarter, really in large part due to Devin Vassell, who had 23 points in the third nine of nine from the floor. Um, but yeah, just not a very good defensive effort from the Magic. So you go into uh, that fourth quarter. I think you're just up 12. I think San Antonio cut the lead to 10 uh, with a, a couple of you know seconds left at the end of the third quarter. The Magic scored again to push out the lead a little bit. But then the Magic basically just hold on, hold the Spurs to 26 points in the fourth quarter while outscoring them 29 to 26. And the Magic end up winning that game at home over the Spurs, 127 to 111. Franz Wagner was incredible, 34.7 rebounds, seven assists, 13 to 17 from the floor. Paolo was great, 16, 16.7 to 12 from the floor, added five rebounds, six assists. Big Jalen Suggs game. It had been a while since we got one of those. 17.6 of 11 from the floor, three of six from behind the arc, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. Joe Ingles adding a little something. Mo off the bench as well. Cole Anthony off the bench with 12 points. 5-7 from the floor. Bench unit sort of got it cooking there. Jonathan Isaac with the big block on Wemby Luke. Just one of the highlights of the night. And then shifting over to this week's Jam Hot Chicken Jam of the Week. 
Want to go to the 10:43 mark in the fourth quarter. Mo Wagner bringing the ball up. Uh, looks like he's going to uh, hit it to Joe Ingles for the three. Joe Ingles passes it back to Mo Wagner in the corner. Hits Wemby with the pump fake. Drives baseline hard to his right. Lowers the shoulder into Wemby's chest. Pushes him back a little bit. Elevates. Dunks over him with the right hand. Make it 102-88 to Orlando Magic. And that, Luke, is this week's Jam Hot Chicken Jam of the Week. Mo Wagner with a little bump and slam over Wemby. Shout out Mo Shiesty. And shout out Jam Hot Chicken. Jam Hot Chicken, you guys can find them at 400 West New England Avenue, Suite 13 at Hannibal Square and Winter Park. All outside seating. Maybe something, I don't know, maybe we've highlighted it a lot. Maybe we haven't. I can't really remember at this point. But the outside seating... A jam hot chicken provides a great environment, especially if you've got a, a beautiful day outside to do here in Central Florida. Go do it. Tell them that we sent you. Try yourself a sando. Get the box. Get the fries with the little comeback sauce on top of it. That's by special request only. Get it all because it's all incredible and truly our favorite in the world. Hot chicken place that we could ever want and it's not too far from either of us thank god and you guys can go to jamhotchickenfl.com to access the menu online ordering they've also got their music playlist all things jam hot there you can order ahead as we always say and you can find them on social media at jam hot chicken so luke again going back to this spurs game and going you know to that third quarter where you're outscored 41 to 37 pulling up some stats before we started recording tonight luke the last 15 games, the Magic's net rating in the third quarter is negative 14.6. They have an offensive rating of 111, which is pretty close to their season average. But their defensive rating in the third quarters over the course of the last 15 games is 125.6. The defense has been absolutely atrocious over the course of the last few weeks here in the third quarter. I don't know what the Magic do to fix that. They're just... They're getting off to slow starts in the first quarter. They're getting off to slow starts in the third quarter. I feel like they're letting those slow starts offensively affect their defense in those third quarters as well, Luke. But that was the reason that this game was even remotely close in the second half. You don't have such a dud of a third quarter. You're probably able to get the starters like significant rest in this fourth quarter. And it is a little bit disappointing. You're glad that the Magic buckle down in that fourth go on a, a nice little eight to nothing run it to, to give yourself a nice cushion there but the game should never have even gotten this close you know towards the end of the third quarter and into the beginning of the fourth and you you spoke on it Devin Vassell with what 23 <laughs> in that third quarter which is so stupid uh he's an incredible player don't get me wrong but that guy scored seven points the entirety of the rest of the game. There's three other quarters in this game, and he scored seven points. And then you just let him erupt in the third quarter, really willing San Antonio to score 41 in that quarter, igniting them. It is a huge problem. It was a huge problem at the beginning of the year. A huge problem now. I thought we fixed it thought we were past this and we're not I don't know 
I don't know what it is. I think that you really have to get into the film room and look at like, hey, defensively, what are we doing? Because like you said, the offensive rating is relatively average like to what the Magic do in all four quarters throughout the season. So defensively, I mean, the fact that you do give up 41 is not awesome. You give up, obviously we'll talk about this, but you give up 36 to Chicago in the third. I mean, it seems like even when like the, the trend that I was tracking has kind of faltered a little bit because Paolo Bancaro, I thought it was because Paolo just was not performing in the third. He's playing virtually the entire third, if not all of it, all the time. That's like part of the rotation. He plays the whole third or most of it. And for a little bit there, he just wasn't doing anything. Like as far as offensively, he just wasn't efficient or he wasn't getting touches. So I don't know what it is. Like if you look at his third quarter numbers in this game, the Spurs game specifically, you can see he played nine, nine minutes, 19 seconds. He shot the ball twice. Now, granted, Franz Wagner was getting some more touches, right? Like, he shot the ball six times. He was five of six. Suggs was shooting a little bit more, getting more touches, four of five. So, like, you really can't pinpoint that to Palo at that point because the touches, yes, are being distributed in that third specifically, but the guys are converting. Like, Suggs and Franz taking those touches. They're making their shots. So, it just feel very defensive to me. We'll talk about that Chicago game, but Palo wasn't bad at all in that third quarter. Chicago still dominates the quarter. It is all defensively, and like I said, you have to do a deep dive, which I very well might take it upon myself here soon, maybe during the All-Star break, to just go through and look at defensive possessions in that third quarter compared to quarters where this team is performing defensively. Because if you pinpoint it like that, that is exactly where the issue is in lying right now. Well, you're just very... I don't, I don't know of a better word to use other than fortunate that you had the third quarter offensively that you did again, 14 of 22 from the floor for the Magic and 9 of 12, 75% from behind the arc. Because if you don't have that type of offensive quarter, you very well could be trailing, entering that fourth. And then once a team were in a game where the Magic led by as many as 23 points, a team comes all the way back from 23 points and takes the lead. That is such a huge momentum shift. A lot of times for a young team, that can be difficult to get over. So thank God that the Magic were knocking down threes in that third quarter. Or who knows? Does this, does this even end up being a, a victory? I, I really don't know. But to the Magic's credit, when San Antonio got it close, when they got it to 10 towards the end of the third quarter, again, the Magic have a nice run to start the fourth quarter, and you essentially just keep San Antonio at arm's length for the rest of that fourth quarter, and you end up winning this game very comfortably. Again, 127 to 111. Good win for the Magic. They sweep the San Antonio Spurs. And yeah, I mean, the job that they did on Victor Wembanyama in this game, he finishes with 15 points, 6 to 12 from the floor, was still relatively efficient. And then, you know, you have Devin Vassell and you have other guys who contributed for the Spurs. But the job that Jonathan Isaac did on Victor Wembanyama, man, like it's it's literally every game now 
that you know Jonathan Jonathan Isaac gets significant minutes, we just are like, hey, you're just going to go out there and you're going to guard the other team's best player and just completely shut them down and turn them into a non-factor. Did that with Victor Rembanyama. And we'll talk about the Bulls game in a few minutes, but in the third and fourth quarters when DeMar DeRozan was getting it going, Jamal Mosey said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this. And he put Jonathan Isaac on him, just like he did back in November. DeMar DeRozan was getting it going, and we said, no, we're going to put Jonathan Isaac on DeMar DeRozan and just completely shut him down. So the fact that we have Jonathan Isaac, man, is just such a freaking luxury. And yeah, it's good to get the win. That's that's really all I've got to say. The third quarters are a problem. You've got to figure it out. But when you win a a, a game like this pretty convincingly, I, I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, and Jonathan Isaac was incredible, even offensively in this one. Four, four, four for four. Even had a little mid-range action. Caught a lot one. of lobs in this one. Caught some lobs, but most importantly, he had a mid-ranger, and we'll take it. And it looked pretty, and it went in. So Jonathan Isaac was a lot of fun, as he is in every game, let's be honest. But a lot of fun in this game, and really interesting to see in the Spurs game like him go against Wimby and what that matchup looks like. Wimby got him, I think, once, and then went, and then J.I. did an incredible job, got the block on him. It was just it was a fun night for women Yama to come in and there to not really be too much highlight power from Wimby. He he did have that nice move over Mo Fogner. But other than that, I mean you relatively kept him at bay the best you can. Wimby finishes in this one fifteen points, one rebound, two assists. I'll take that stat line, stat stat sheet any day of the week against a a guy that they say is all those things that we know he is an alien generational magic did well against him in this one. It just happened to be Devin Fassell's night, unfortunately, but happy that you went with walk out of there with almost a, a 20, 20 point win. I would love to hear Victor Weminyama's thoughts on Jonathan Isaac. Like this is a dude who like at his size, like does things that nobody has ever seen. And, for the most part, when he's like got it going, is like unstoppable. And Jonathan Isaac, like Ji, is a guy like you might get one or two on Ji, but at some point Ji is gonna get you. Mm-hmm. And we saw it with that block at the rim over Wemby, which was incredible. But yeah, overall a, a good win here, Luke. Let's go ahead. We're gonna shift into our our patron shout out here as we uh, give our patrons a shout out each and every episode. Uh, if you're not familiar with what a patron is, uh, you can go to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash the six man show, uh, where we have different levels and different tiers of benefits that you can join to help uh, support the show and help us do what we do here. Whenever we have brand new patrons, we give them a special shout out. So I want to give a very special shout out to Magic Matt, our newest patron who joined at our Hall of Fame tier level. So really, really appreciate that, Matt. Welcome to the Patreon. Welcome to the community. Welcome to the family. Uh, If you already have a Patreon account, uh, I'm sorry, if you already have a Discord account, please. Connect that to your Patreon account to get instant access to our Discord channel as well, where literally almost 24-7, we've got close to 60 people in there now, always talking about the Orlando Magic. So appreciate it, Matt. Again, welcome. And we give a very special shout out to all of our Hall of Fame 
and elite tier patrons each and every episode. Without further ado, we'll start by shouting out the court cousins. Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, normal Magic player history, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Francis, Warren, Pierre A., Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Daniel, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time, Mr. TV, ESPN, Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Afrikan Shahan 177, Bobby the Don, Himlo Ben Himro, R Improv 221, Magic Kid 714, Mysterious Mosley, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Walsh, Fritz, Currency Kev, Brosal, Casey Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, Chansu, Tom Gadsden, Dead Air, Richard Tuttle, Jeremiah Cantero, Debo, and Magic Matt. A big thank you to all of our patrons. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. And now, talking about this Chicago Bulls game, Luke, it wasn't exactly a carbon copy of the Spurs game because you were just never up as big on the Bulls as you were the Spurs. Uh, but this is another game uh, for the Magic that really came down to that first quarter. Okay, so the Magic lead by two at the end of that first half, uh, but the Bulls have a massive third quarter started to put the magic in a little bit of trouble magic trailed by six after that third quarter they were outscored 36 to 28 i think this is the third consecutive game luke where the the magic gave up 35 or more in the third quarter if i'm not mistaken and offense wasn't really flowing i mean you were fortunate enough to get eight of your nine looks at the free throw line in the third quarter uh but you let Chicago shoot 57% from the floor, 65% from behind the arc. The first half, it was mostly like magic turnovers and the Bulls like taking advantage of those. I think the Magic had nine turnovers in the first half, which the Bulls turned into 17 points off turnovers in that first half. Uh, but the three-point shooting for the Bulls in that third quarter, they were just red hot. Uh, but the Magic are able to uh, come back in the game. I think they were down by as much as 10 in that second half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jonathan Isaac comes into the game, gets put on DeMar DeRozan, like almost like instantly flips the offensive dynamic for the Bulls. They really started to struggle at that point. And Franz Wagner was, was great defensively as well. And Magic are able to, to get back into this game. You've got a three-point lead with about a minute and a half to go. That ends up being tied. DeMar DeRozan has a great look at a three to win the game at the buzzer. He misses that. Magic going to overtime. Cole Anthony was incredible. Had a couple of huge shots in the overtime. Uh, defense locked in. And Luke, the Magic were able to come away with the 114-108 win over the Chicago Bulls. Second game in a row that you win. This is your... I think it was fifth game out of the last six that you've won. So the Magic are rolling here as of late. And yeah, big game from Franz Wagner. Another 30-plus point game. I think that's three out of his last four where he scored uh, over 30. Paolo with the 19-7-8. and eight. Jalen Suggs with 13 points, 3 of 5 from behind the arc. Cole Anthony, 14 points, uh, 11 rebounds. Again, was awesome in that overtime period. Luke, you officially win the season series over the Chicago Bulls. But that third quarter still a concern. Still a concern, but I—I I mean, we 
we've done enough concerning talk with that third quarter with third quarters in general fair yeah and yeah we we've we've touched on that enough and in the fourth quarter though jamal mosley in his in his bag as the kids say and now no the new thing is he's in his duffy well i don't know if that's i mean you're right I don't know if that's new, new, but it's it's definitely recent. I mean, I, I, I'm hearing it more than bag. It okay. used to be, oh, he's in his bag. Now, every time, oh, he's in his Duffy. That's that's what I've been hearing. Look, we're we're getting to the point where we're not exactly up on the new lingo, doing our yeah, best there. But really the kids now are hey, he's he's in his Duffy. Yeah, and maybe there's something new at this point, so you guys can comment that one if there is something even newer than that. He's in his so Birkin. We'll I think we're getting somewhere. So Jamal Mosley, <laughs> quote unquote, in his Birkin in this fourth quarter. Goga Pataze, who we didn't see the 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 rest of the game at all. First three quarters, no Goga. We haven't seen Goga much at all recently. Jamal Mosley decides, you know what? Let's throw a wrinkle in there. See how they handle it defensively. I'm going to bring in Gogo Pataze and correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, but J.I. plays his first minutes at the four and the closing lineup because typically when he comes in, he plays at the five and you just put him against whoever you want defensively. It doesn't matter. I don't know but. that with the, the lineup with Wendell, I feel like he's kind of at the four, but those guys are kind of like interchangeable. Yeah. Gogo's definitely the five with J.I. on the four. You, right. Yeah. And, and it, definitely the, you know, at that point, just super interesting. That happens. Cole Anthony, he gets the nod to close the game, which I thought in the moment was certainly a choice. Just being what we've seen from Cole Anthony the last few games. I don't know what Mosley saw to say, hey, Suggs, you're not gonna you're not gonna finish this one. But I thought I mean, I thought Suggs, aside from his three turnovers, then maybe that's why. I thought, I mean, he was three of five from three, five. Cole also had field. three turnovers, so I that's what I thought when I took a look at the box score in the moment. But Cole also had three turnovers, so I, I don't know. But this is one of those things sometimes where it's like a feel thing, and it it paid off. Like, hat was not the decision I would have made, but he went with Cole, and and it worked. So you just got to tip your cap. So Cole goes on to essentially play all, all of the overtime, obviously. But in that fourth, where he has two turnovers, he plays the entirety of the quarter along with Franz Wagner. So I don't know. Is this going to be a lineup we see all the time? I don't think so. It felt very situational to me. Cole Anthony comes up huge with some clutch buckets. Gogo Bataze was big as well made some great defensive plays even had some buckets of his own as well he he scores a couple in the fourth a few more to add on hits a big free throw there in overtime because every bucket's big there Cole Anthony like I said he hits his buckets as well and it was good to see and maybe that's the confidence booster that that Cole Anthony needs but he had some he had some very big buckets there down the stretch where like in weeks past, months past, in really months, at this point. Please, thank you for saying months. Yeah, in months past, I was not confident that Cole Anthony taking a clutch shot was that I wasn't confident it was going in. 
And quite honestly, it didn't matter if it was a clutch bucket situation or not. I didn't trust Cole Anthony to make the shot. I didn't trust him to take care of the ball. All of those things. Did he do great taking care of the ball tonight? No. He didn't. He had three turnovers to three assists. But he made the buckets when we needed them. And it was a whole lot of no, 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 yes. Reactions from me tonight when Cole Anthony had the ball down the stretch. I'm relieved. I'm rooting for Cole to figure this thing out. He alluded to some maybe off the court stuff after from what I've heard. I didn't hear the the press conference. Yeah. In in the press conference after the game, before he went into the media room, he met with Dante and Q Rich on the Valley broadcast and said, yeah, I've had off court stuff going on that I've been battling through. And he appreciates the team and the coaching staff and the organization for supporting him. But yeah, like those two shots that he hit in overtime, it's been probably two months that I can remember him looking that confident to mm-hmm. take and make those shots. Yeah. And the off the court stuff that would that would make sense. I don't know when it started. I don't know if it's still going necessarily. I have no idea what's happening, but it would make sense. Maybe I mean Coach Mosley, the players coach, knows what his guys can give him, trusts his guys. And who knows? Like I said, this is all speculation, but just in my thinking, and Mosley is tapped in as he is with these players. Maybe Mosley's or Cole Anthony might be coming out on the other side of whatever he's going through right now. And maybe Mosley was like, all right, down the stretch, we're going to trust Cole Anthony because he's kind of on the other side of it. I've seen some growth maybe in, in practice or just talking to him, whatever, that this is getting, that this is over with and he's good to go now. I'm going to go to him and instill some confidence. And he definitely did that. Instills the confidence in him. Goga is great. Jonathan Isaac on the offensive boards. I think he had 12 rebounds tonight. Let me go back and look at that. But yeah, he had 12 rebounds. Six of them on the offensive glass. He was awesome. And then Goga in his short minutes tonight, 14 minutes, gives you one offensive rebound as well. Those offensive rebounds were huge tonight. Every time J.I. was there, Fox getting in front of his man, boxing out his man as the guy on offense, super impressive, and getting it done. It was just an incredible display. I really feel like, as probably most people think, this you should have handled this team better than you did tonight, but super happy with the adjustments that were made. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but Mosley co- coached his fourth quarter in overtime butt off for sure i don't know if there's any one player on the team who's at this point like individual improvement in the course of the season here would be a bigger deal to the magic other than cole anthony because it feels like that second unit when it's cole and joe and mo wagner and j.i and gary harris like when that unit is out there it's just like somebody do something on offense. Like so often it's just like guys like moving around the perimeter, passing mm-hmm. the ball. Okay, we're going to pass it inside. Okay, we don't have anything there. Let's pass it back out. Okay, now Joe Ingles has got the ball. He can't really do anything off the dribble. Okay, we're just going to throw it to Cole Anthony, who's going to take like a 26 contested, you know, 26 foot contested shot at the end of the shot clock. Like that too frequently, the offense feels like that in the second unit. And if Cole can get back to that, like, 
15 a game, you know, 45% from the floor, 37% from behind the arc. If he can get back to that, that just opens up so much for that second unit. So that, and then like just as a unit collectively playing defense for 48 minutes, like we still have to get back to that point. But Cole getting back to that like efficient volume scorer off the bench would do wonders for that second unit right now, which was such a strength earlier in the year. The other thing that I want to talk about, Luke, that was an interesting decision in the moment and it worked out is going away from Wendell to Goga Batadze in that second half. Wendell Carter, dude, 26 minutes, 6 points, 3 rebounds, an assist, and a block. 26 minutes out there, 3 rebounds for Wendell. It is not getting it done, man. Like, I love Wendell. In, In past seasons, like, Wendell was, like, Mr. Consistent. Like you could just count on him to get you 15 and nine night in and night out. And I don't know what's going on. He's got the left shoulder all kind of crazy, like taped up now. But like that consistent Wendell, we have just not gotten for the most part this year. And when he, I, I tweeted at the, the beginning of uh, the beginning of the overtime period that like sitting Jalen to me, like was crazy and i was thinking about it i was like is is it crazy that wendell's out there i'm like it's really not crazy that wendell's out there because he just has not been great this year luke he's averaging in 26 games so far um this is tonight aside basketball reference does not have this updated but before tonight 11.3 points 6.7 rebounds yes he's shooting the cover off the ball from deep 42.7 percent but like we just need more from Wendell on a consistent basis. And he was getting cooked by Nikola Vucevic for the most part tonight, which is a big reason why Mosley went to Gogo Batadze down the stretch. Like we just need more from Wendell. No doubt about it. And listen, offensively, I'm glad that he is kind of, you know, we talked about in the last episode, that he's coming into his own a little bit. For the definitely coming into his own, like tonight, even from the field, he was three of six, oh of two from three, but definitely kills you playing 26 minutes and having three boards. There's no reason for that, and it's unfortunate, but uh, I don't, I think this is, you know, this could be an outlier. Like you said, he's got a shoulder taped up. Hopefully, everything's good there. But the other guy that I want to talk about is Franz Wagner. And all you need to know about Franz Wagner's performance tonight and Paolo. Paolo was awesome too. I'll say that real quickly. Paolo Bencaro realizes, hey, the Bulls are loading up on me this game. I'm just going to distribute the ball. The way that he was like inviting the double team tonight and making the right pass every single time, bro. Like, I was like, you you could see it. Like, all he's doing is he's just like, okay, are you going to double yet? No, okay, I'm going to get even closer to the basket. You're going to double now? Okay, mm-hmm. now the double's coming and I'm kicking. Like, it was masterful tonight. Eight assists, three turnovers for Paolo Bencaro. Incredible job by him tonight. He was awesome. It'll be overlooked because Franz Wagner was amazing. Franz Wagner finishing, obviously, with the 
36 points, five assists, three rebounds, seven of 10 from the free throw line, five of 12 from three, 12 of 22 from the field. Also, real quick, Palo, seven of eight from the free throw line. That was huge, considering Palo really struggles from there. So that was awesome. Palo shares the magic, like a picture of the magic posted, like a, a picture of Franz tonight with the stat line. Palo shares it, and he sums it up best. All he said was, sicko. And he's right. <laughs> Franz Wagner, Franz Wagner is, a, is indeed a sicko. He, he was just mind-blowing tonight, and it's just the run that he's been on. He had that one outlier weird game after he scores 38 points and no free throws. He then goes on to have like a not great game and then has just been awesome. He now, Jonathan, has, uh, let's see, he has seven 30-plus point games this year. And for reference, Paolo Bancaro has eight. So, granted, Paolo has a couple 40 balls. But Franz Wagner still, like, he has a 30-point game. 31, 31, 32, 34, 36, 38. He's just... He's been, he's been awesome as of late. The step back three, it's always like been there as start part of something that like he's willing to try and it will attempt, but it's becoming something he's actually hitting. He's just been incredible. He he has been what this team needs. He said it after his thirty eight point performance that. When teams are going after Palo, he likes to relieve some of that pressure and score. Score that basketball. Relieve that pressure. Franz Wagner. He's doing it. He's really doing it. Super Remember the last episode and, uh, where man. we had like a quick aside about like, oh, like in the future, like does Franz get moved because he might not be the guy? Like, and people were like, oh man, after that Miami game, Franz, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, can we just put that, all of that to bed? Like, let's. Let's we're not going to do this at least for another season. Like Franz is incredible at this point. He's only a point and a half behind Paolo in like their, their like averages. But also I think it's so important to understand that like Franz is able to do this because of the attention that Paolo is getting right. Like if teams were like throwing double teams at Franz, like Paolo would be averaging probably 30 a game, you know? And the pendulum is like swinging back and forth right now. It's like, okay, we're, we're, we got a double Palo and like, we're just going to let Franz beat us. And at some point it's going to be, well, we can't double both of these guys. So what do we do? Mm-hmm. And when they start going back to like single, like if you're just going to try to single coverage, each of these guys, they're just going to feast the entire night. So that's what I'm waiting for. Like we talked about earlier in the year when Paolo was shooting the ball really well, what was going to happen when teams started like closing out really hard? That didn't exactly come to fruition because the shooting sort of came back down to earth. But with Paolo and Franz, like those guys both have it going on a consistent basis. You're just not going to be able to double Paolo because he's going to kick it to Franz and either Franz is going to rotate and eventually when we have shooters on this team, he's going to find an open shooter. But right now, Franz is just going to use your leverage against you and find a lane to the rim and, and finish and score. So like, that's what I'm excited for at this point. Like you saw Paolo tonight in the fourth quarter, 
just waiting. Like Franz has hit a couple of threes and Franz missed the three, but Franz and Paolo were both on the same side. And I think it was DeRozan on Paolo and Kobe White was on Franz and Paolo's just backing up further and further. And Kobe White's like, do I double? Do I not double? If I don't double, Paolo's going to get to the rim and he decides to double. And then Franz is just wide open. Didn't make the three. But in the future, you that's going to just be such a impossible scenario for defenses. And man, it's it's just awesome that we get to witness these guys on a nightly basis. So much fun. Last 15 games for Franz Wagner shooting 5.9 threes a game, 39.3%. I I'm I'm glad I'm 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 glad this is the way he's trending. Because beginning of the season when that shot was flat, I just never thought we were getting him back from three. I just I was I just uh man, I I don't know. I crazy. Just the 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 change that's has happened since he's come back from injury. He looks he looks great, man. I can't believe it. So Man, it's so crazy just, how he's how well he's been shooting the ball recently, and he's still only at thirty one percent from behind the arc on the year. That shows you how bad that lack of arc was at the beginning that we're talking about. And it wasn't even just the beginning; like that was that was till he got injured. It was terrible. Um, I mean, at this point, you got two games left. Let's talk about All Star break. What what do we think happens these next two games? So OKC on Tuesday, New York on Wednesday. You've got the the nice little back-to-back. I just think it's going to this is what I have to tell myself heading into Tuesday. <laughs> this is this is my this is my heart talking. I have to believe I I've, I've been in in Kia for a couple of big games in my life. I I've talked about the fact like whatever my parents did not have money to be able to afford to to bring me to Magic games as a kid. Every Magic game that I watched until I was 18, 19 years old was on TV. I, I wasn't able to go to a single Magic game until I was 19 years old. And I didn't even pay for the tickets. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, bought me the tickets to, to go to that first game. So I've been going to Magic games for the last like 12 years, something like that. And I haven't seen a ton of big games in the building. right? Like I can, I can name a few. Going back to the 2014 season, well, when we beat OKC and then we played Indiana at home and we beat Indiana when they were the best team in the league. I can go back to 2018-2019, uh, Game 3 versus Toronto. Uh, this year, in-season tournament game versus Boston. Like I've only been in the building for a few big games. I have to believe that this is going to be the best, most raucous Kia crowd that I have been a part of. And I just have to believe that the energy that we are going to bring into that building Tuesday night is going to lift this team to a victory. Now, Oklahoma City has been struggling, relatively speaking, the last couple of games. They get absolutely floored by Dallas tonight, Saturday night. Uh, They lose 146 to 111. Last Tuesday, they lose to Utah 124 to 117. Last Sunday, they have a 135-127 to 127 win in overtime over Toronto. So a really good team. You're going to have, you know, up and you're, you're going to have high points and low points throughout the season. 
I just need that to to continue for a couple more games here. And I, I need the Magic to beat Oklahoma City on Tuesday in Orlando. And then it looks like the Knicks are going to be without Julius Randle. They'll be without OG Ananobi. I know it's the second night of a back-to-back. It's not maybe a must-win, but you, that has to be a competitive game. We cannot come out again the second night of a back-to-back and lay a dud like we have at various points throughout this season. And it feels like on paper, no Randall, no OG Ananobi. If the Magic are healthy, feels like on paper, like that should be like a one and a half, maybe two and a half point spread. You could talk me into that going either way, but like the Magic to me should win that game. I'm going to say 2-0, and and you take the four-game win streak into the All-Star break. I'm going to say that you drop Tuesday. Oh, that's, that's the, that is, why would you say that? That is such the worst <laughs> of the two choices. I, I think you drop Tuesday. I think you win against a depleted Knicks team, just literally crawling to the finish line before All-Star break on Wednesday. I don't care that it's on a back-to-back. If they are as beat up and battered as they are right now on Wednesday, which I think they very well could be, I don't care that they have Brunson. He hasn't. He, he played against us one other time this year and didn't play well. Now, granted, Anthony Black was guarding him, and he's probably not going to play that night. But hopefully, you, you're able to take care of Brunson or just let Brunson do everything, shut down everybody else, and call it a night, win the game. So I'm going to go one-on-one heading to the All-Star break. You know, listen, you could be in worse spots than having 30 wins going to the All-Star break with this team. If you're 30 and 25 at the All-Star break, I'm I'm so happy. If you're 29 and 26 at the All-Star break, you drop both of those games, I'm still happy going into the All-Star break. But 31 and 24, four-game win streak, winning what would that be seven out of or six out of your last seven at that point? Like that would all of the positive, positive momentum and vibes heading into the all-star break. One thing that I wanted to mention that we haven't touched on just yet talking about Jonathan Isaac, Cole Anthony after the game tonight, um, our, our guy is on uh, tweeted this, but he said Orlando magic guard Cole Anthony admitted that the team started giving out a defensive bell after games and he said the last couple of games we haven't even done it just because it's going to stay in J.I.'s locker, but like it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> like, and he said the only guys that could even give him a run for his money are like Jalen and, and Gary and maybe Wendell. So it's mm-hmm. like he's got the defensive belt. And we haven't even handed it out because it's just going to stay in J.I.'s <laughs> locker. And he said that J.I. is the best defender he've seen, he's seen his, in his entire life. Yeah, also went on to say that, that he would be J.I.'s matchup nightmare. Sure, buddy. Um, and then J.I. said he's delusional. So great exchange between those two. You have to love the chemistry, the camaraderie that these guys have. Oh, you mean everybody hates J.I.? Yeah, you're right. You're so right. I think we can finally freaking put that to rest. They've Everybody is praising J.I. Was it Mo uh, Wagner? And gave Joe. A, and Joe both gave him a lot of praise. Yeah, Joe gave him a, a hell yeah. In agreeance to what Mo was saying, but like, yeah, he's just been, he, he's incredible. They love him. He's a huge impact on the court. I imagine he's the same off the court. Yeah, the guys love him. Somebody's so got to keep these degenerates you know, in line. Honestly. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
I can I can only imagine what the conversation must be like in the locker room with like Cole and and guys like Mo and and, and Joe Ingles and the the shenanigans that they must go through. And then like Ji is just over there, just probably like shaking his 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 head. I'm sure those guys have a lot of fun, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you uh, you brought me down a little bit with uh we we can't lose that game on Tuesday. We we just I I won't stand for that. We have to, we have to win that game on Tuesday. I do apologize. We have to win that. All right, what do you say we wrap this up cuz we're we're closing in on an hour and 20 now. Let's let's wrap this thick boy up. All right. That is going to do it for this one, y'all. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to the Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.